Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. For the talk today, we're going to be in the book of Philippians, chapter 1. Philippians, if you were in a paper Bible, would be toward the end of the Bible. It's a pretty small book. Of course, use your phone if you want to look it up that way. We also have an app that uh, has the scripture in it. We'll show the scriptures on the screen. But I'm going to begin with a story. Then some of you have heard a version of the story before. It's right after I became a Christian. I was 20 years old when I became a Christian. And I started going to a church. And I ended up uh, striking up a friendship with a guy that would end up being a spiritual father to me. His name was Mark. Phenomenal name. Uh, my name's Mark, and his, it's, never mind. Uh, and so one day, early, early in our friendship, he said, hey, let's go have lunch. And so we went to Jimmy's Pizza Inn on the south side of Fort Wayne. And this was the moment. We sat down, the pizza was coming, and Mark said to me, hey, why don't you pray before we eat? Now, that was a new thing for me. Uh, I'll tell you what didn't happen in my emotions. I didn't think, oh yeah, cool, I got this. That is not what I thought. I began to have at least some spiritual anxiety and thinking, really? Like out loud? Like here in a pizza place? Like, are you kidding me? And so I was analyzing that. Why was I anxious? There's a couple things. One was because I didn't yet know my, like how to pray, like my prayer style. I didn't know, what, what, how do you pray for, should I pray loud? Like so that the whole restaurant can hear? Like in the name of Jesus, I pray for this pizza. Like do you do that? Or do you like go really casual and, hey, yo Lord, Loving pizza, thanks so much. Like, you know, there's different, like, style. I, I don't know how to do that. But I think the bigger thing for me, and this started a journey for me, it wasn't the style or how to pray. It was what do I pray in this moment? It's what should I pray? Like, do you, do you pray in, the, in that booth? Do I pray that... Pizza will nourish me? Do I pray for the server? Like, what are the rules here? Do I pray for the, 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 the server here? Do I pray for all the people here? Do I pray for world hunger as I'm about to way overeat a pizza? And so it was just this beginning, I said it already, this beginning of a journey of, develop, of developing abilities to know what are you supposed to pray. I think that some of us might just be getting started. Some of us are in that journey, been in it for a while, but it's a thing. Um, sometimes it's a challenge when someone's really, really, really sick and maybe they're, you know, at, at that age where they're on their deathbed, and you're like, do, do, how, what do I pray? I've faced this when my mom was passing. Do you keep praying for healing, or do you 
pray that God will take him quickly? Or, you know, does that make any sense? Or what do you pray in those hard moments? Have you ever had anyone ask you to give you like an awkward prayer request? So they may know if you're a Christian, they may know you're a Christian or a spiritual person. And, and they may say something like, hey, would you, would you pray? Because you're like one of those prayer people. Would you pray that my wife doesn't find out about my girlfriend? And you go, I don't, I'm not sure what to say or pray. Does that make sense? Like, I'm not sure that's a, right? Because it's a thing. What do you pray? Or you end up in a new spiritual responsibility or, or professional responsibility. And you just know you should be praying for the people that you're serving. Maybe you become father or a mother and you know you're supposed to pray for your children. But the other question is, What? Or am I supposed to pray for my children? It's a deal. It really matters. In 1 John 5.14, it says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Ephesians 6.18 challenges us to pray in the Spirit. To hold those thoughts, we're about three weeks in to a series called When You Pray. And if you haven't taken the time to, if you weren't here or haven't taken the time to listen to Pastor Steve's messages the last couple weeks, they're just good stuff on how to develop a prayer life. That's our hope with the series and how to get better at prayer. And this Father's Day weekend, we're going to explore a couple great things to pray. And we're going to learn from some scripture that gives us insight into a phenomenal spiritual father's prayer life. His name is Paul. He wrote a bunch of the New Testament. Uh, Thousands and thousands and thousands of people uh, became Christians, fell in love with God, changed their life because of him. Huge ripple effect of his life. And he's writing a letter to the Christians, probably most of them are his spiritual children, and he's writing them a letter, and toward the end of this section, he's going to specifically say, and this is my prayer. This is what I am praying for you. So we'll begin in verse 1, Philippians 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, which is a town, it's a community together with all the overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. That's just a, we're not going to talk about it, but that's interesting. When he's praying for them, he prays with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being, this is a verse you may have heard before. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And if we bounce to verse 9, he gets very specific. He says, and this is my prayer. That your 
love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Title of the talk this weekend is An Outstanding Father's Prayer. And from this, two really, really practical things that we, skills, topics, arguably, that we should have in our prayer life. So these will apply. You can pray these things for you. You can especially pray these things for others. And so with that in mind, let's pause and pray, and then we'll look at these two things. So God, help us. I pray that you would speak to us in such a way that our lives would be better, different, more powerful, especially our prayer lives, not just for us, but that the people around us, because we pray these things, their lives, their spiritual beings, their relationships with you, their experiences in the natural world would all get better because of our time here and because of what we're learning in prayer. Help us in Jesus' name, amen. You ready? Two things. You ready? Somebody just say, oh, yeah, okay. I got it. First thing I want to talk about is a great prayer addresses a person's capacity to love. That's fill in the blank. On your handout or if you're in the app. A great prayer addresses a person's capacity to love. It's the first thing he lists when Paul says, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more. To get everything that's in this verse, we probably need a good definition of love. So, uh, image will come up on the screen. Biblical, God perspective, there are different forms of love. There's romantic love, which is a different word in the Greek. There's familial or family type love. There's brotherly love that unites believers. And then there's this last one, bottom right-hand corner, is agape. And it is God's love for humanity. It is the most It is the broadest sense of what love is. Uh, Here's a definition, a little bit of a definition. It's love, benevolence, goodwill, esteem. It's agape. Uh, To get a better understanding of what this agape looks like, 1 Corinthians 13 gives almost like a whole chapter describing what this love is and does And so here's a little bit from 1 Corinthians 13. Love is, the word there, love is agape. So like a side note, Paul is not praying about their romantic life. He's not like him, and this is my prayer, that you'll find, you know, a real hottie to to, you'll fall in love with. I'm just praying for your, right, that the dating app goes really well. He's not, that's not his first priority. He's praying about this bigger, more godly, broader Love, agape, and this is what it looks like. Agape is patient, kind. It does not envy. This is the stuff that he's praying love onto them in hopes that they will be more like this. It does not envy. It does not boast. It isn't 
proud. It does not dishonor others. This kind of love is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. If you want an even better picture, you can look at the, the whole uh, chapter there. It goes on to talk about love, this kind of love. Always protects. It always, it's a consistent. It always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So that, do you have that picture of that kind of love? That's what Paul is praying about. I'm praying that agape, and then he's also saying we'll develop more and more. I don't have the word put on the screen, but it is an image of if this is what most people's capacity to love is, I'm praying that yours will rise above and keep on growing. You will be unusually filled with agape love. Here's a fill in the blank. Paul's prayer for people is to be exceedingly good at the broadest definition of love. Little, a little point here. This can feel, oh, this was my first thought. This can feel like, what a sweet prayer, right? And this is my prayer. That your love, agape, will abound. And it just feels like a warm, fuzzy prayer. When I was thinking about it, I thought of an old song. Young people, you may not know this. There's an old song that goes, What the world needs now is love, sweet love. That's the only thing that there's just too little love. What? Right, have you heard... Some of you young people, yeah, and there's young people going, that sounds like the stupidest song I've ever, did they actually sing songs like that? Yes, it's back, we'd be driving our horse and buggy, and there would, there would be people in the back singing with, no, okay, anyway, so, but like that feel of that song is, oh man, that's just like a great, like that's the only thing that there's, everybody, all you need is love. Wah, 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 right? There's this like, but it is where I'm, I'm kind of getting caught in the 1800s or something. Um, but this is a much more practical prayer than just, oh, I just pray that their life will be warm and fuzzy. Because these kind of characteristics have a huge impact on our experience in life. Here's, it's just going to come up on the screen. An individual's capacity to love affects almost every area of life. And I want to say it actually probably affects every, our, every area. Our capacity to love. Can we go back two slides to the love is patient, love is kind, love is... That's what he's praying about. That stuff in my life will affect like everything. Some specifics. Think of relationships. I just heard this over the last few weeks. Uh, some friends of mine are headed for a divorce. What do you pray? Well, 
Let's look at what love would bring into a situation. Love would bring, we can go on, love is patient. Let's go on to the next. Let's just imagine, all right? Marriage, struggling. What if there was an outpouring of agape, patience, kindness? It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. What if it was there was an outpouring of keeping no record of wrongs? A consistency of protecting, always trusting, always hoping, always persevering. Can I tell you if there was an outpouring, if that kind of love was abounding, this is, I don't know all the situation, we would not be talking about a divorce in that situation. Because who wouldn't want to stay in a marriage like that? This is very practical for people. Anybody know anyone? I'm sure it's not us. You know anybody who, when they get behind the wheel, all of a sudden they hate everyone else who's driving? Like, they are just the, hey, no pointing. Oh! Yeah, he was like, yeah, man, that's her. That's totally her. So, do you know what her problem is? We might think we need to pray about for her, her anger issue. But what I would say to you is a great prayer is for an outpouring of an abundance of God's love because God's love affect, would affect her. It affect, because let's just look at what would happen. Now, should we pray about anger? Okay, maybe, but the, the, encom- the all-encompassing impact of love would bring, let's see, love is patient. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. This will affect our driving habits. It keeps no record of whether people use their turn signal or not. It's all good. Just love you. It's okay. Does that, it would affect us. So is it a good prayer to pray for, about someone's anger or frustration? Yes. Is it a better prayer to pray that they might be abounding in love? I think so. It will affect those things and virtually every area of your life. Financially, if we loved well people and higher priorities, we may not be quite so in love with stuff. And when we get get in love with stuff, sometimes we make bad choices on stuff. This love thing, I just think, affects everything. If you think of the difficult, painful things that are happening around us in our world, things that have happened to you, maybe things that you've done with others or to others, there's just a verse to consider. I'm not going to unpack it. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, Above all, love each other deeply because love, look at this, covers over a multitude of sins. Love. Great prayer. It is powerful. Experience I had just this last week, probably Tuesday morning, uh, after church last week, I went to a conference, Sunday night, Monday, and Tuesday. I was responsible to, uh, with, a, with a team of people, put together a regional conference for some vineyard churches. So I, for years, have been a regional leader, helped coach 20 churches or something. And then there's another regional leader who had an area of churches. Well, those two regions are combining and so our 
our responsibility was to put on a conference for those t this new region. It was one of the last responsibilities I had with my position. Get there, make it short. Got there, did the conference, things went well. They decided uh, to honor me and Josh for our years of service. And so at, anyway, so at the end of one of the morning sessions, they asked us to come up and they were just going to pray a blessing on us. Super nice thing to do. So I was on this side of the stage and a number of senior pastors, national senior leaders in the Vineyard Church came up and they prayed a prayer or they shared some encouraging words. So I was up over here and probably between eight and 12 people came up and, you know, saying just great stuff. And I was like, thank you for that. And they would pray things. When it was basically all done, the la I think it was the last person to come up, was a young lady I did not recognize. I don't know that she had any title anywhere, but she came up and she said, fairly timidly, she said, Mark, you don't know me, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to come up and tell you something. And she said, I feel like the Father wants to tell you that he loves you and he's proud of you. And I went, oh, right? I, I didn't actually. I, I went, thank you very much. That's very helpful. I'm not emotional at all. Could you please go away? Because <laughs> I'm a man. But inside, I was, and of all the different things that people said, and they prayed some great stuff. You know what was the most powerful for me in that? It was, it was the thought that God, that was a, it was a real deal. Just don't underestimate the power of love, which is another song that came to my mind from Huey Lewis and the news. Again, young people are like, Huey? What's wrong with you folks? Yes, all right. So, here's fill in the blank. There is not a difficult situation that will not vastly improve with an outpouring of love. That's what Paul prayed. There's not a difficult situation that will not vastly improve without an outpouring of love. So that's the first idea. Second idea is... A great prayer addresses a person's practice of holiness. Holiness. That's kind of a Christian word. Um, to, the, to the point of prayer, I think we can all agree what we really pray about is the important things. Are you with me? There are sometimes prayer requests might come our way and we, we might say, oh yeah, I'll pray about it, but we really don't. Right? Hey, this afternoon I'm going to be laying out. And I would really like just to get the right amount of sun. Will you pray for me? And we're like, yeah, sure, maybe not. But yeah, hope that goes. Does that make sense? Some, some of you are like, oh, no, that was my prayer request. Do uh, you know what I mean? Or like we may pray, but, it's, but there are other prayer requests that come in like, hey, I'm going to have a conversation with my, with my best friend about Jesus tomorrow because he's asking questions. Will you pray for me? Oh, yeah. And we're like, yeah, that's on the list. Or I'm facing a situation. One of my family members just got diagnosed with stage four cancer. Will you pray? Oh, yeah. So we tend to put prayer energy into the most important things. What I'm noticing with Paul is back to our verse. He begins with that your love may abound. And the second thing he prays about 
he's concerned about so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Here's the fill in the blank. Paul's second highest prayer priority is for his friend's purity level. That's what he's praying about. Spiritual purity, holiness, righteousness, living for God in accordance how God would want us to act. Holiness, set-apartness, not acting like everybody acts, but instead deciding, I want to act the way God calls me to act. By the way, this is not just Paul's preference. This is throughout the Bible, this idea of prioritizing purity and holiness. In Hebrews 12, 14, it says, Make every effort to live at peace with everyone and to be, you guys say it, holy. It's, this is serious. It says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Boy, we ought to chew on that. What does, we ought to know what this holiness stuff is. Just to be aware, there's two parts of this. One is, holiness is accomplished when, when you ask Jesus Christ and say, I will trust Jesus' death on the cross to purify my sin. That's the only way we're going to be holy, is he has to pay for our sin. But the other side is the consistent message of Jesus, which was repent. Which basically is the idea of you cannot live the same way. I would say it this way. Is, is we decide... Because sin is serious, I'm going to take it seriously and try not to do it. That's holiness. 1 Timothy 2, 1. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Leviticus 19. The Lord said to Moses, be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Now, the rest of this chapter, if you want to write down Leviticus 19, it's a great chapter to explore or get a good picture of what holiness is. For most of us, when I say be holy, most of the things that come to our mind probably are right. It's doing the right thing. It's, it's not doing the sinful things, and it's working hard at doing the right things, all right? But here are some things that are on this list in this uh, chapter in Leviticus. What does holiness do? What does it look like? It's respecting your mom and dad. It's observing the Sabbath. It's not worshiping anything but God. It's, not, it's telling the truth. That's what holy people do. Holy people don't take God's name in vain. Holy people relationally do not slander other people. Holy people don't seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone. Holy people are forgiving people. They forgive your brother when they sin against you. Pause. Going to make a point here. That stuff still matters. That's the point. No matter what the world decides, 
about taking God's name in vain or not seeking revenge or forgiving other people. The whole world can vote on what matters. Ultimately, the vote don't matter because what God says matters. And throughout the scripture, our living, our pursuit of this absolutely matters. Sin matters. If someday we get to see Jesus face to face, we will, you know what part of what we will see? We will see scars. His resurrected body still had scars. What were the scars fr from? Our sin. Sin is not a joke. It is not easily passed off. He could say, look at that. That's because of, I took that because of your unforgiveness. You took God's name in vain. You dishonored your parents. You committed sexual immorality. Somebody had to pay because that's so serious. I got all bloodied because of that. If you, if, if, I don't know what Jesus wears in heaven. But if you could see his back, there would be scars where a, a man laid his flesh open with a whip 39 times and it paid for all that stuff. And so I'm, what I'm just bringing into the room, we make a huge mistake when we downplay the importance. Oh, it's no big deal. Hey, we're only human. Yeah, that only human side stuff cost God his son on a cross. And if we're going to honor him, we decide we're serious about not doing it. That's, that's part of the deal. And just to bring this from a positive note, because this is like really serious. By the way, yeah, I'll, I'll go there. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have not run to him and said, God, will you forgive me of my sin? I put my faith in Jesus' death on the cross. Can I tell you, you are in so much trouble. You are in unspeakable trouble before a holy God. You will never just walk into his presence and he will not welcome you in. Without someone paying for your sin, you are a mess and in trouble. I am a mess without Jesus. It just doesn't work that way. It'll all be okay. It'll be horrible. Good news of Jesus, we can get washed cleansed from that. He will pay for us and we appear holy in God's sight. Part of the plan and the prayer of Paul was though that we would stay serious about continuing to pursue holiness. And this is the positive side. Some of you are like, there's a positive side? There really is. One, Jesus died for your sin and you can be forgiven. And the second is, when we decide this afternoon, when we're thinking about going and do that sin thing and God comes along and says, that's unholy, don't do that. When we decide to be holy, I'm not sure there's a, a, a greater moment of worship and pleasure to our Father in heaven than when you, as his daughter or son, decide, I'm going to tell the truth because that's what God wants me to do. I just think the creator of the universe goes, gosh, I love that guy. Man, I'm so proud of that girl. When we choose, because this is hard, when we choose holiness, it is a pleasure to a creator who deserves it. And it's one of the things that Paul prayed about for 
others. Can you, I'm, I'm going to take two more minutes of your life. But you have to forgive me because the Bible says you're supposed to forgive other people. <laughs> so here's the question. How high is spiritual priority on my priority list? Spiritual purity. I want to tell you one more story. This has to do with praying for other people. When uh, one of my daughters was 9, 10, 11 years old, uh, and we tried to raise them to understand God, have experiences with God, and know who Jesus was, at school, she had done something wrong. I can't remember exactly, but I still remember the day. She had come home from school, and she had done something. Maybe like she had lied to her teacher or deceived, and the Holy Spirit was convicting her of sin. And so as we talked about that, she made the decision the next day, her plan was to go to school, and she was going to confess her sin to her teacher and ask for forgiveness. And you know what we did? It must have been a good day, because I think we made some good decisions. One of the things that we didn't do is we did not tell her, oh, don't worry, honey. It's just you being human, and it's okay, and you don't have to do that because that might be embarrassing. By the way, that would have been the wrong parental move. We encouraged her because it was, sounded like the Holy Spirit, and we said, that's the right thing to do. And then, you know what we did the next day? I'm not sure there's ever been a day in my kid's life that I prayed harder for one of my kids than on that day. I was praying for her that she would be courageous, she would be humble, she would be willing to do that, because what she was about to do was flex her holiness muscles. And that was a prayer. Oh God, help my daughter to grow up and pursue holiness. To keep trying to be pure and holy and righteous and do the right thing. That's what I think Paul's talking about. That's his prayer for people. It's a great prayer for us to pray on other people. Last fill in the blank. Let's develop a prayer life that comes from a deep place. Let's begin to pray things that can change others' lives. And I know a lot of us are praying. You might be just get, getting started at prayer. Do it. Nothing can be more life-changing for other people than somebody praying these phenomenal prayers for them. Why don't you stand and we'll close. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.